Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, look, man, I need some noise in here. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Wow. Okay, that was good enough. I was going to build it up a little bit, but I don't even have to. I'm excited to be here, man. Been up since 4.30 praying, asking God to bless, because I believe he has something important for you. Born again, children of the Almighty God, I believe right out of his word is a message that's coming straight to you. We are going to pick up in the middle of a conversation that's happening in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to jump right into it. It is a conversation that is happening between an angel or a messenger from God to a very ordinary normal guy named Gideon. There's already things that have happened in the story. I'll try to highlight them a little bit as we go along, but let's just jump right in. Judges chapter 6 verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now here's an important part of the story. There's nothing about Gideon that says he was a mighty hero. He had done nothing in the past to prove that he was a mighty hero. Nobody on the planet was calling him a mighty hero except for this angel of the Lord. He tells them that the Lord is with you. And then Gideon, being very polite, says, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening to us? Now, you need to understand that the Midianites and the Amorites were just tearing up the children of Israel, just making their lives miserable. But God already told them why it was happening. A little bit earlier on in the very same passage, a prophet came, the Bible said, and told them, the Lord led you out of Egypt. You go into a land that you are supposed to take over and worship your heavenly father. Instead, you are worshiping idols of the Midianites and the Amorites. This is why this is happening to you. So he asked that question and then he goes on, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Then they say the Lord has brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. In other words, instead of complaining about your problem, do something about your problem. Instead of standing back wishing your life was better, make your life better. Change the situations you're facing. Change the challenges. Take care of the one, those things that are coming against you and trying to make your life miserable. And then Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, my family, where I come from, is the weakest among all the tribes of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said, well, I'll be with you. And that's the game changer. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. The game changer is the presence of God in your life, dealing with whatever situation that you're facing. And you will destroy, and I like this, this is kind of funny. The Midianites, there are thousands of them, and this is the picture he paints, as if you're fighting against one man. You're just going to whoop them good. 
Well, let me pray with you, if you would, just for a second. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to ask you to do a little work with me this morning. I want you to really think with me and deal mentally with the information that you're going to be receiving from God's Word. And don't look at today as just another Sunday sermon. I want you to look at it as a workshop, a workshop where we are working on us because this is an important moment. Father God, we love you so much and we realize and recognize that this is an important moment. I believe there are people in this room who you want to take to the next level. I believe there are people in this room that have been where they are for many, many years now and uh, they were only supposed to be where they're at right now just a few months. But Father, something's got to change and I pray, Lord, that that would change today. I pray you bless the people in this room because I love them. And oh, I love seeing them blessed. I love seeing them happy. I love seeing them laughing. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bless them. Let me, let me, don't look up, don't look up. I need to know something. How many of you are dealing with something pretty heavy? Hold it, just keep those up for a minute. Isn't that something? Father, that's what I thought. That's what I'm feeling. So do something in here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's the topic. The topic is, who do we think we are? Let me personalize it. Who do you think you are? Now, let, me, let me bring it down a little bit clearer. Who do, who do you think that you are? Because that's a game changer. Gideon said, I, I didn't come from much. I really didn't. And I'm not much even from that which I came from. And that's what he thought about himself. Uh, if our life was only about seeing people saved, it would be very, very simple. I, I, here's how I'd do it. I'd just go, Stuart, are you saved? Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? And say you didn't, and you go, no. And I go, do you want to? And you go, well, yeah, you know, Holy Spirit's been working on me. Because here's the thing, Stuart, I've never saved anybody. Never have, never will, and I can't today. I can't save anybody, and I never have. But if the Holy Spirit's working on you, and you kind of want to be saved, then I can give you the plan. So if you say to me, I, I, I want to be saved, then I can go, okay, well, then you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to have a relationship with God. It only comes through Jesus. Jesus is the only way you're going to get to go to heaven. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you like to do that? Yes. Okay, you pray a prayer and you do that. And then I look around and go, next. And then a crusty old guy walks up to me. And I say to him, would you like to be saved? And he says, no. And I said, how come? Because God never did anything for me and I don't need him. Oh, oh, really? Okay, Scooter. We'll just let life cook you a little longer. And we'll leave the light on for you, the oven light. And we'll check in on you from time to time. And we'll see how life is tenderizing you or toughening you. And then we'll see one day maybe you want. Next. And that's all I do. And then once we got saved, we'd just leave here and we'd go to heaven and that would be it. But that's not how God set it up. God set it up so that once we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we get that salvation thing down for our eternity to be insecure. Then God wants to deal with light transformation in that very same person for their present ongoing life. For out of all of God's activities that are listed in the Bible, <clears throat> I have noticed 
that he is always, always insisting that we all operate with an accurate understanding of our own identity. All throughout scripture, whether it is Old Testament or New Testament, God is constantly, he is regularly communicating to us who we are. God informs his children that we are unique, that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are peculiar, that we are significant, that we are blessed, that we are salt and we are light, that we are royal, that we are chosen, that we are accepted, that we are powerful, that we are his children and that we are not slaves. He also communicates that we are constantly being thought about. And God tells us over and over again who we are. And why is that important? So that I can think about me the way that God thinks about me and not how others or myself have been thinking about me. Why is that important? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So take a look at how important this is on the side screen. My life is going to be a reflection of not just what God thinks about me, but what I think about me. So when I asked you a few minutes ago, who are you? Who do you think? Who do you think you are? Your answer will tell me how your life's going. Your answer will tell me how you're dealing with the problem that you're dealing with right now. And if you give me the same kind of attitude that Gideon gave this angel of God, well, I'm not much, didn't come for much, can't do much, when God is over and over again telling you who you are as his child, that you're powerful, that you're forgiven, that you're blessed, that you're more than a conqueror, if these aren't the things that you are thinking about when it comes to your life, your life is going to line up with the negative thoughts that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. You say, well, I just thought it was important that I'm saved, I'm in church, I sing a few songs and I'm going to heaven. Yeah, that's important, but it's also important that you are living the kind of life God wants you to live until you get there. And this is not tied up with just church services. This is tied up with how you think about you. And it's not being conceited, it's being confident. We talked last week about the fact that our God is a God of progression, that he wants to constantly move his children forward and he doesn't want any of us getting stuck on hamster wheels of life. But in order for God to next level your life, God has got to next level your thoughts. Look at this, because our God always takes us to the next level head first. So you don't change your life by changing your life, you change your life by changing your mind. And God is constantly trying to get us to change our mind. It is an easy job for me to come in here and say, how many of you guys want to be saved? Okay, three of you do, great. Four of you don't, okay, great. How about you three getting saved? Okay, that's easy. But now I, a room full of people who grew up in all kind of family backgrounds with all kind of maybe negativism and pessimism and, and, and poverty type of a mindset and just barely enough to get by. And if I can 
just survive this instead of thrive through this, well, you know, that's about all I can expect, you know. And if all I can make is this, because after all, we do live in Grand Junction, and you know, it's not Denver or Boulder, thank God, and it's not other places where we can possibly live. And you know, we got to work harder here to be able to make a living. And, and so, you know, this is good enough. If that is your mindset, then you have made my job incredibly difficult. And it is constantly taking you and saying, this is what saith the word of God over your life. And you get it, and then you get bombarded with all kind of negativity. I had a police officer tell us one time, told our staff, said, you guys live in a bubble. I said, thank you. Thank you very much. He said, you have no idea how difficult, what struggles are happening out there. And we really do. But I appreciate what he was saying. Because really in our, in our, in our little, in our bubble, we, we love it. We love it very much. We don't have, there's, there's nobody in our immediate bubble that is a cocaine addict. There is nobody in our immediate bubble that's an alcoholic. There's nobody in our immediate bubble that, that curses God. There's nobody in our immediate bubble that, 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 that hates somebody else in that, in that bubble. I mean, it, it's awesome. We love it. But there are, when you step out of that kind of a bubble and you get into the real working situation of life, there are all kinds of people with all kinds of opinions. The Bible says man's opinions are endless. He talks about the foolish talk that goes on. If you want to see negativity, just put a picture, post a picture of puppies on your uh, uh, Facebook and watch people post negativism about, I wish I could afford puppies. I don't know, I have the puppies. How do you go to the vet bill? How do you pay puppies over puppies? You find out very quickly how negative it is, how difficult people look at life. Listen, the Bible teaches us that we are not to copy the behaviors of the world. God says, now that you're saved, I need you to change. I changed your eternal destination. Now you change your mind. You change your thinking. I've already told you what you need to think, how you need to react, what you need to do. But you've had a lifetime before you were saved of not doing it. So now it's up to you to change it. Romans 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world. Well, I just want to fit in. Why in the world would you want to fit in? I mean, God says, don't fit in. This isn't your home. You're not going to stay here. And it doesn't matter how many accolades you get from the people of this world. They're not going to last. You can go from hero to zero just like that with reviews online of people that are sitting in their mother's basement that you'll never meet. Well, pause on that. You see, Christ, the Bible says, don't copy the behaviors of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. Well, how are you going to do that, Lord? I'm already saved by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will. When I change the way I think, then I'll know God's will. It's important that I know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, Christ's redemption gets me to heaven, but it is, it is mind renewal that gives me a little bit of heaven here on earth. That's so good. If I had a pen, I'd write that down again. That was just. Because if this doesn't happen for you, what? I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about you changing your mind. If this doesn't happen to you, you can be devoted and still be depressed. If this doesn't happen to you, you can be saved and still be just as sad 
before you got saved. Jesus, God wants to reteach you how to think since you met him. You knew how to handle anxiety before you met him. Now you need to learn how to handle anxiety since you met him. You knew how to handle adversity before you met him. But now he wants you to learn how to handle adversity since you've met him. Uh, you may have known how to handle anger. You may have known how to handle money, the way you used to handle your time, your energy, your relationships before you met God. Well, all right, you got that down. But now God wants you to learn something new, how to handle all those things since you met him. You knew how to look at your, look at your purpose. You knew how to look at your future. But, but now God's saying, I need you to take another look because this identity and new mindset that God is placing on you is so important to your future that the enemy is going to constantly come against the way that you think. The enemy has always and will always attempt to undermine who God says that you are. And he tries to replace it with what everybody else thinks that you are. And he does so, this undermining with a bombardment of, th bombardment of thoughts. You see, God has a life assignment for you. And that life assignment will be questioned by so many others along the way that you cannot afford to allow yourself to question yourself. How many of you have ever been called to jury duty? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have ever actually went to jury duty or been called in, you know, your number, and then you in the, ended up in the box with 12 other people, six other people, whatever it might be. Okay, cool. Six to eight times I've been called to jury duty. One time they accepted me. Most time they kicked me right out when they know what, who I am and what I do. They just kicked me right off. And uh, uh, Anna's been called. She never gets in the box. She just never, never makes it in there. But, but uh, I always seem to be the, one of the first 12 that's called up and questioned. And, you know, you got to fill stuff out before you get in there. And so, you know, this last couple of weeks ago, you know, I was, I was called a couple of months back. I had a funeral to do in um, Texas, so I had to postpone it. Well, then I couldn't postpone this next one. I had to go. So I was there. And that's fine. That's fine. I don't mind. That's good. And, and, and it's educational. If you've never done it, it's kind of cool to see how our justice system works. And I enjoyed that a little bit. And so I'm sitting there in the room, and uh, they, they called me up, and, and, um, and one of them started asking questions. The, the DA said, they said, you know, we know that, you know, they're uh, police officers. If they came in here and they testified in this case, we know that our nation, you know, kind of has a bad feeling toward police officers right now. And that's viewed. And I heard people going, rrr, 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 and, and, you know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And how many of you uh, uh, disagree with the way our nation looks at uh, law enforcement officers and three of us in the whole room raised our hand. Three. Me, a Christian medical doctor, and a Christian paramedic who goes to our church. And so we all three raised our hands. And so she focused in on us a little bit. So, well, um, uh, Pastor, or should I call you Pastor? No, call me Dan. Okay, we'll call you Mr. Hooper. Mr. Hooper. Because you got to keep it formal. So, okay, what? She says, could you enlighten us a little bit on how you think and what you feel? I said, I, I did. <laughs> well, they... They asked me, they asked me, I said, I'm a cheerleader for the police officers of our community and for the deputy sheriffs of our community. I said, my nephew is a sergeant. He's a canine officer in another city in another town. And I do not believe that our police officers need to waste their time coming into court to testify after 
because they're not out there looking for somebody who is keeping between the lines and not driving reckless so they can pull them over, arrest them, do a whole bunch of paperwork that they don't want to do so they can get home late for dinner. Now this, I didn't say all that, but that was kind of in my, in the thing, what I said. And she said, thank you. Anybody else feel this way? A couple others. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What if police officers come in here? Will that, will that have a way on this? And the, I see. So anyway, it's still focused on us three. And I thought, I'm going to be the first to go. The medical doctor is going to be second. And the paramedics are going to be third. They're going to kick us all three out very quickly. So then the, the uh, uh, defense attorney stepped up, focused on me. Somebody hand Mr. Hooper back the microphone. Here comes the microphone back to Mr. Hooper. She said, and asked me a couple of more questions, and I gave my opinion. Now, here's the thing. Well, after I gave my opinion, she said, does anyone else in here agree with what Mr. Hooper just said? Now, I already knew that I was going to be kicked out. I already knew that. But the thought that came to my mind is, I am perfectly good with that. I am perfectly good with me being in the room, in some rooms, and having the only opinion in that room that matters to me, which is mine. I got saved when I was 12 years of age. I surrendered my life to preach when I was 16. I began to study God's Word at the age of 17. I have been studying and preaching God's Word for 43 years. I have done over 2,000 funeral services, walking people with all kinds of opinions through cemeteries and helping them pick out loved ones and seeing their loved ones die and this, that, and the other. At the age of 55, I had a pretty serious heart attack and I carry nitro in my pocket right now. So I am not questioning who I am or why. I am here. And if you call me to be in the room, you're going to get this version of me and not the me you want me to be. You get this me because I didn't ask to be there. But uh, quickly the judge said, Mr. Hooper and the medical doctor beside me who's also a Christian, you may be dismissed. And then the paramedic was number three. <laughs> Here's what I'm telling you. I don't have time to waste time. I, do, I don't. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I am not one that is going to change my mindset because of what a country or a group of people in the country that get most of the press think about anything. I do not care what they think. What I do care is what I know based on what God has told me to think. And that's how I will think. And I'm not looking to think any other way. And if I'm the only, now there's only one room that I care about that I'm not the only one in the room whose opinion is right. And it's this room. Your opinion has to be right. And it has to start with combating everything that everyone else has ever said about you. And you line up who you are and how you think considering what God and only God has said about you, my precious daughter of God. And when you do, and you realize how critically important it is, and you, you, and you might say, well, you don't want to come across arrogant. No, I don't want to come across arrogant. I want to come across confident. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have trouble. Be of good cheer. Good cheer is joy, happiness, optimism, and confidence. Joy, happiness, optimism, and confidence. And you got to know who you are. 
because it is so critical that you know who you are and who God told you to be that if you don't, everybody else will tell you. And their plans for you are going to fall short. Well, the doctor said, okay, all right, I get it. I was told I had a percentage chance of not living a year and a half after my heart attack. Anna's like, well, honey, if you're only going to live a year and a half, why don't you do it with me? Let's go have some fun. I'm like, okay, I guess, all right. That's five years ago, Scooter, and I feel better today than I'd, I'd have in a long time. <laughs> because you know, you know what I decided a little while later? I decided I really didn't care what he said. <sighs> How you think? Do you, do you want to live a blessed life? Are you giving excuses? I don't come from much. My parents are poor. Do you know how the Midianites attacked the Israelites? They attacked them with what they call impoverishment. They attacked their food supply. They weren't just trying to take away though what they had. They were trying to take away their identity in who they were. Because if they could destroy who they were, they could take everything that they had. They'd happily give it up. So the enemy was attacking their identity. You know what they found, the angel found Gideon doing? Hanging on to some food so the enemy didn't take his food away. Well, what about you, Gideon? I'm nothing. Ain't going nowhere. Family's nothing. And God took a nobody and a nothing and said, you the, you're the man. There's a man inside of you for this season in which I need you that no one else has ever seen yet, including you. And I'm about to bring that man out of you so everybody else will see in you finally what I have been seeing in you all along. But your head got in the way. Your past got in the way. What somebody else thought or spoke over you got in the way. And God said, I'm about to bring you out head first. Guys, this is a salvation station, but like I told you last week, one of the biggest jobs we have is to constantly try to change your mind. And I think we do a pretty good job of it from time to time, but man, you got all kind of mental, emotional landmines you'll step on throughout the week. Take a look at this family. Hi, I'm Jonathan Biltman. And I'm Amanda Biltman. I started attending Fellowship Church about six years ago. I had just moved here. I didn't know anybody, but I knew that I needed a church home. From the first time that I came here, I knew that there was something special. As a new Christian, I didn't even know what church was supposed to look like. But after seeing a service and being part of it, I knew that this was going to be home. It also helped that I met the love of my life here. <laughs> I knew right away that I wanted more. So I started volunteering in 4640, and I met a lot of the staff guys, and we got pretty close. Watching those kids worship and tuck into God and their excitement, it just showed me how it was supposed to be. It's not a task, it's fun. You make it your own, and I've tried to keep that steady through my walk with God. Having spent my time in the military and now as an I-1-1 dispatcher, I hear and have heard all the bad things that you could really imagine. I have every excuse to just accept that as the normal and the way things are supposed to be, but I choose not to, and that's because Jesus says we're not supposed to accept that. 
without the influence and teaching of Fellowship Church, mm. I don't know where we would be right now. And honestly, it's scary mm -hmm. to think about that. While mainstream media and especially social media are telling us we're doing it wrong or we could be doing it better, we choose to not conform to that. We choose to follow what God says is the plan for us and we know that it's better and He blesses us every day for doing it His way mm. instead of mainstream media's way. We are so, so thankful for Fellowship Church and the teaching that we get that they point us in the right direction. We choose to live according to His guidance and I will forever try to keep my family inside this wonderful life and bubble we've created under Fellowship Church. It's funny, we joke about living in a bubble and it's not really a joke at all. We choose what we let in and what goes out and um, it's where we're safe and it's where um, our friends are, our family is and it truly all is within the walls of Fellowship Church. This is truly our home um, when people we do life with it's really incredible. This is us. We are Fellowship Church. Isn't that good? Did you hear him say that he met the love of his life here? Wasn't that sweet? That's sweet. Um, can I be your brother for a minute? Just your brother. You know I love you, right? All right, let me be your brother. Let me talk to the men in the room for a second. And I want you ladies to get in on it too, okay? The enemy does something to all of us after we accept Christ as our personal savior. The enemy gets into your head and makes you think it didn't happen, it wasn't real. There's nothing new about you, you didn't change. God saved you, are supposed to be a new creation in Christ. Well, you have a new destination. You start thinking a little differently, get a devotion, a Bible, start worshiping a little bit, might even serve a little bit. Well, your personality does change. I mean, you get more fun. You start, ladies, taking down walls in front of your heart that you built up to protect yourself, and you realize, well, I'm gonna forgive that. I'm gonna let that go now. I just wanna move on. I want my life to be better. And then something will happen. After you've been going along just fine, because your old default setting was one way. The way you used to think, the way you used to respond, the anger, the behavior, the lack of forgiveness, the escapism forms of stuff you go to, all of us, women, men, both. And then you start doing better because you're saved, right? Hey, you even bought a Bible, you read it a little. And if something will happen and you catch yourself typing with that same old font you used to type with. The enemy looks at it and says, see, I told you. I told you, you didn't really change. You're no different. And then all of a sudden you start beating yourself up going, well, what's wrong with me? I'm saved, I love, I love the Lord, but what I just said, how I just acted, what I responded to, the thoughts that I've let run through my head, maybe the enemy's right. Maybe I'm not any different. Maybe all that's a show, but really the real me is what I just did. Can I, can I tell you all something? You're okay. Now listen, you're okay. The default setting has changed. And would you like to know what, how? If you take a pig and you take a sheep and you put them out into a field, that pig's going straight to the mud. Loves it, 
wants to live there, never wants to come out. A sheep occasionally will fall in the mud, but he doesn't belong there, doesn't really like it. Gets a little stuck for a while, a sheep will cry because that's not that sheep's default. It's the pigs. But it does not mean that the sheep can't fall in there, get a little muddy. The difference is the pig's fine with staying there. That sheep is not. Since you have been saved, there are gonna be attitudes and actions and feelings and emotions and decisions from time to time that you will make that were exactly like they used to be. If you didn't forget those things, if you knew how to roll a joint before you got saved, you still know how to roll a joint, I'll bet on it. I'll put 20 on it right now. Give you the stuff, watch you do it. I don't have the stuff, I'd have to borrow it from somebody, but I... Well, that was bad. <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is, how you know is that you can't stay in the mud. I fell again. Oh, okay. All messy. Got in trouble. Okay. Hanging out in there? You, you wouldn't even told me that if you weren't planning on hanging out in there. It didn't feel good to you. It's not your default anymore. You can pull up that same old font, you know where it's at. It's not you anymore. It's your occasional slip. It is not your constant life. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. Don't let the enemy get into your head and tell you something that you're not. See, you messed up. God didn't forgive. God says, you're forgiven. You're no more than a slave, a servant. God says, you're my child. You can't do it. God says, you're powerful and more than a conqueror. Enemy says, you're determined to repeat the same life people before you have led. And God says, I got something new for you. You're the same old you. God says, I'm going to pull somebody out of you that nobody has ever seen, including you, for a brand new season of what I'm going to do for you. And then everybody will see in you what I put in you a long time ago. And when the defense attorney says, nobody agrees with Mr. Hoover, you will not care. You will not care because you'll be confident in who God made you to be and your life, your life. Eternity's awesome, but your life will be so much better. Brother, sister, please, please listen to me. The only thing you have to change <laughs> is your mind. Important day, huh? I think so. Would you stand with me, please? Can I get all the prayer counselors to come down front? 
I love these people. My brothers and sisters who pray for me, some of them pick on me a little bit. Some of them aggravate me. Some of them throw candy at me and mince at me. Some of them grab my little gray goatee. <laughs> no names, I didn't get any names. I love these people, what I'm trying to tell you, I love them. They're kind of in our bubble. <laughs> Are they perfect? They're absolutely not. Can I get a word of testimony? No, yeah, nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> but we're all walking, breathing testimonies of the fact that you can know God as your personal Savior and still default back to the person that you used to be. Anger burst. Thought life. planning on staying there? No. You're coming out quick. You don't like it no more. You don't like it. You used to like it. You don't like that no more. But you're okay. <laughs> you're really okay. You know, I know. God said you are. Well, they said, I, I, I do not care. You, did you get that yet? I do not care what they said. Well, the reviews are, I, 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 I don't care about reviews. I don't, I don't care. I got my review. <laughs> I'm okay. Would you bow your heads for a second? Anybody struggle with this? Anybody struggle with the enemy getting in your head and telling you things that are keeping you back, knocking you down, keeping you from moving forward? You can't have next level living until you have next level thinking. So I'm going to ask this morning, I'm going to pray and let you go. And as everybody's leaving, if you would like to come down and pray with one of these prayer counselors who pray for me, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and just let one of them grab you by the hands and pray for you before you leave today. And you know, I'm asking you to do this because this is a very important day for you. Father God, we love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Right now in this room, as people walk either to the front or to the back, change the way that we think to line it up with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all are so loved, you don't even know it. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. 
If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.